0: Here we go. My name is Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 459. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we are going to, I guess, continue our discussion that we started last week Um, I kind of wanted to focus that, uh, last week because I was talking to friends about the Kavanaugh thing and, uh, they still, some of my friends still didn't understand why it took women as long as it did to come forward after an assault.
1: And I think instead of just focusing on that specifically, what I think you and I decided we would talk about today is more about the history of believing women, Mm -hmm. um, and, to again, you know, this podcast is a self awareness podcast. It's about recognizing in ourselves how what's going on inside of us that gives us a certain lens on the world. Um, it's not about blaming specific people, it's not about making someone the bad guy and someone the good guy. I don't believe in any of that. I think we all have, um, we all, each of us shapes what's going on, sure. right? By yeah. the lens that we have. And I think that. We, Change occurs when we're able to recognize what we're doing and why and then recognize that everybody else um, matters, that everybody else ha- should have a voice too, that some of our belief systems are based in non-fact um, because why does this you know why is this important? Obviously for our own sense of self and our own integrity, and so we can go out in the world and and feel like we are offering something of value mm-hmm. rather than offering something that's harmful. Second of all, it, it helps in our relationships. Um, if you are in a marriage or a partnership with a man or a woman, um, either or it it is it's important to understand how you view that person sure. and what you believe about them and what you believe maybe about. Their gender, yeah. and then finally, how are we going to raise our children? What are we going to talk to them about? What are we going to, um, what are we going to challenge in ourselves so we can raise our children in a way that's more honest and more um, aware, and the most important, empathetic yeah. to other people's experience? Because I still think we have a lot of um, misinformation that we continue to use as. We may grasp at straws about why we believe something, but the truth really is I just believe this because I was told this in fifth grade or right. I heard this in a movie or the media tells me this. Question
0: your belief system and how you arrived at How beliefs. you arrived at
1: it. And that's kind of what we talked about last week is go below your belief. Mm-hmm. You have your belief. Okay, I hear you. Mm-hmm. I hear your belief, but where did that come from? Right. And have you ever challenged it or researched it? And you're going to share a few things and then I have a few um sure. things that I think will help us. This is all in the name of all of us being seen. Mm-hmm. You know, like God's shaping it around, you know, men not understanding women, but it, it it's all, it's women understanding men. It's us relating to each other. It's us being able to hear a different perspective. If that's political, if that's gender specific, if that's around sexuality, if that, that's really all we're trying to do. Because once we figure these things out in ourselves and we can be open and not so afraid, It's so easy to
0: understand other people. Is that the
1: right word? It's so simple to understand why people do what they do.
0: So basically we're using these, um, you know, these topics as vehicles for better self-understanding.
1: Correct. And then better relationships in your family Mm -hmm. and then better relationships with your children, obviously, and then better relationships as you go out into the world, because our family is just one piece of our life. We have our work world. We have our political world. We have our walking down the street world. We have, you know, the way we relate to people. And if we, if we can challenge some of our biases and, and listen, it's really extraordinary what we learn about ourselves and others. So...
0: Um, but first, a few quick takes, sweetie, in the spirit of uh, what we're doing here today. First of all, I um, subscribe to a newsletter called A Call to Men. That's Tony Porter's um, organization and Justin Baldoni. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, so I got an email this morning, and I didn't know this, but October is uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, okay. which I did not know. Um so uh, I encourage any men out there to go to a calltomen.org and just subscribe to their newsletter. It's not an invasive newsletter. They don't send you stuff all the time. I think it's once a week and they're short and sweet. But uh, this week, uh, the focus for these five weeks that we share in October is um, solidarity and community. So these are the five things that they said for us men to focus on. Number one, listen to women and validate their experiences. Number two, challenge the harmful messages that you've received about gender. Number three, do not use language that denigrates women and girls. Number four, be clear on why you care about these issues and what you want to do about them. And lastly, identify the areas of your life where you can influence men, boys, and culture. It's a wonderful start to a week. Um, or to a month where we raise awareness of de- uh, domestic violence. So,
1: And I hope one of the things that we can talk through is that n- that number one of believe women's experiences, because what I'm seeing on social networking, which I've been kind of following more closely this week, because I am just really curious about people's perspective right now, is this idea of, oh, women never lie. Are you saying that we're going to believe all women, uh, women and that men lie and that women never lie? and Sometimes when we have statements um like believe women people just go crazy yeah. as if like that and when I say they go crazy what I mean is they get so angry about it yeah. and the, you know, and again, we'll get into this more as we go on with the show, but I guess the question is back to that person, why wouldn't we? Mm -hmm. And, and questioning that because that, I think that there's a lot of deep seated feelings about women don't deserve to be believed.
0: Oh, I think it's absolutely built up in the makeup of the messages that we receive as four-year-old boys or 14-year-old boys or 24-year-old men. And it's a tough habit to break if you've been taught something your whole life. And I've been on the receiving end of that. I posted a few things on social media and there's a few people that have been, you know, some of them respectfully, some of them disrespectfully about, um, you know, why I choose to believe uh, certain stories and why I choose to believe why, why I choose not to believe other stories.
1: Well, I think the messages I'm kind of reading that you're getting are about, Todd, you're working against your own self-interest. Like, as if you believing a woman who's saying she was sexually assaulted somehow is harming the whole male race. Mm-hmm. And the, the, or the, it's harming people who, may potentially assault. I don't even know how to say it the right way. There's this there is this belief of we got to keep we got to keep shutting people down mm-hmm. so we don't get in trouble. Right. And I think majority of men who are saying this to you have never assaulted anybody. Like right. or if they have they didn't there wasn't a recognition right. of what consent meant and there wasn't and my whole point in saying that is that at some point we have to start you know I always get a visual of shifting like you know we're moving forward we're like pedaling this bike and we have to start moving backwards and saying, okay, what is consent? Because the, you know, what we just saw last week with the Supreme court is that, can it be true that she was sexually assaulted and that she literally put two front doors on her house because she is still traumatized from being held down Mm -hmm. and felt like she was almost going to die and be raped? and ran into a bathroom and therefore at her age now, she still needs two front doors. Sure. So she has another access out, right? Yeah. Can that be true? And can can the Supreme Court nominee believe he did nothing wrong because he doesn't even know what that means? Right. Not because he's not intelligent, but because he grew up in a time when there wasn't anything wrong with that. And I'm putting that in quotes. Right. There's always been something wrong with that. But he grew up never thinking, That what he was doing was abusive. Like, just to throw out a really quick story that comes into my head, it's like, you know, Amy Schumer's story about her boyfriend who raped her while she was asleep. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of said to her, I thought this might be better for you Mm -hmm. because, you know, it was her boyfriend and he believed that it's, was better.
0: It starts with the belief that, as men were taught that women are there to serve us, and their bodies are ours to take possession of when we choose to do that
1: correct. and And very few men would say it in that way. They would say, "No, I don't believe that, but there's something that they have been taught. like, and also about like, I just wanted to say a few shows that, um, you know, a few shows that have been on in the last like five years. So as far as women, pretty little liars, mm-hmm. which our daughters watch. Gossip Girl, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, Devious Maids. Um, and then there was an American horror story called Coven, which was about backstabbing women. And every reality TV show, if it be The Bachelor The Bachelorette, uh, Real Housewives is about women lying mm-hmm. and women backstabbing people. Mm, interesting. So we perpetuate this in our culture. Can you read culture. the titles of those sure. shows
0: to me? Because I didn't know that's where you're going with those well, titles. Well, this so. is just one No, I know. Thing. But just say them again.
1: Pretty Little... Pretty Little Liars. And that's a
0: that's a show about girls lying to whomever.
1: Thus the name. It's about a girl gets killed and everybody's okay, like lying about it. Gossip Girl.
0: Girls gossip. Uh-huh.
1: And lying to each other. Yeah. Uh, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. Yeah. Remember that yep, show? I do. Uh, Devious Maids. Yeah. Just the title. Right. Devious Maids. Um... And American Horror Story, Coven, which and, was about that. And
0: every other reality show where the housewives every, are just killing each other. So
1: we see this every day. Yeah. And this is the thing when we talk about media and people say, media doesn't cause people to do things. It's not always it's A not to a, B. It's
0: not a direct correlation, Correct. but it's a contributing factor.
1: Correct. And so we already are like, girls lie. Mm-hmm. Women lie, yeah. girls lie to get money, women lie for status. It's this belief system that we carry and we're like, no, that's just a TV show. But it it does, and again, these shows were created based on a belief. So it's not the shows that did it, yeah. that there is a belief system that, you know, and, and someone will say, well, teenage girls do lie Yeah, guess who
0: else lies? Teenage boys. Teenage
1: boys, right. That's the thing is, is people.
0: Yeah, people lie. People. And- people also sometimes tell the truth.
1: Exactly. But it gets a little... Th- and this is what I'm talking about with the history mm-hmm. of of how we've gotten to where we are and why it's so easy for even women, yeah. because it's not just men who are saying she's lying, even women to say, oh, she just, she just thinks this will be lucrative <clears throat> so she can have a book deal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is a woman who her whole life... Okay. Again you know, studied traumas, become a doctor, has like lived a very quiet life, has grown children. Um, And that it, she's never even like, you know, it's not like anyone's researched. She's never even done op-eds or anything like yeah. that. Like this is not a woman who's been looking her whole life. Yeah, she's for a just way been to,
0: waiting for this opportunity to.
1: Right. And she has also been traumatized by this experience, not just the sexual assault that was traumatizing enough, but. Always unsure, mm. like when you know the federal judgeship. Should I come forward? Yeah. And then as it, and then before he even was chosen, she, she tried to get a letter saying, as long as you got twelve people to choose from, why don't you else. not pick this guy? Yeah. So she, and again, some people will say, well, nobody, nobody really does that. Nobody has that kind of integrity. You guys, if you believe that, then you have to question your own, mm-hmm. because I can't sleep at Ooh. night when I do things that are that are wrong to somebody. I have difficulty sleeping at night when I feel someone has misunderstood me. I have difficulty looking myself in the mirror when I know I'm doing something I shouldn't be. And I think we're all born with that. Mm. I don't think that's a a me thing or a woman thing. I think men have that too. But we kind of drown that out. And then when we don't feel that sense of integrity... We look at everyone else and we say nobody has integrity. Well, the
0: world is a mirror.
1: Yes. To what
0: you believe. Yes. And whatever you believe about yourself is what you're going to see out there.
1: Exactly. If you are lying and cheating people, then you think everybody's lying and cheating you. And again, it's not that clean cut. A lot of times that comes from
0: complicated human beings. Complicated human beings. It's not like that's all we are. That's not totality of who we are. Right. But generally speaking, yeah, if you have a healthy relationship with yourself and your role in the world, you're going to believe people when they tell you something versus when you're, you know, a conniver trying your best to take shortcuts through life, whether it be through parenting or working or whatever, then you're not going to, um, believe when somebody says something.
1: Because that's your lens. And a lot of people who maybe aren't innately that way, if they've been hurt enough in in their life where they have been surrounded by people who have hurt them, then they may say, well, I've been hurt so much, I'm going to protect myself and just assume everybody does that. So you're not always the perpetrator. Sometimes you're the victim of that experience. And then you say, I might as well just give up on humanity. It's interesting to even talk about this because yesterday I was watching an old Super Soul Sunday with La Van who I love very much. And it was an old one. It was just a replay. But she was talking about her life and the fact that when she was born, she grew up being told a certain woman was her mother who wasn't. Her grandmother beat her. Um, she was raped at nine. She was pregnant by 14. Put it this way. There weren't a lot of people taking care of her. And there weren't a lot of people who cared very much. And there weren't a lot of people being a lot of people being honest with her. And those were all the questions that Oprah was asking her about, like, how did you get because her her book that and this was before, again, it was an old Super Soul Sunday. So her book Trust was coming out. How do you get to a place of trust? And she said, I had to find it in myself to create a new life. Those people were hurt. Again, we all know, hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. So I either, when I was little, I didn't have a choice. But I, you get to a point in life where you say, I can either keep doing what they taught me, mm-hmm. or I can find a new way. Yeah, and, this, and that's kind of the light that people talk about in the darkness, is that even when you have been... Overwhelmed by darkness. Even when you have been a a victim or a survivor and you feel like the world is against me, there's always another way. There's always a light out of the tunnel. And it doesn't mean you'll always be safe. We I feel like we have to keep finding matches all the time. Yeah. You know, it's not as if, oh, I'm enlightened, nothing happens to me. It's every situation needs a match. And you have to find it. And so you know, so for people who feel like, well, I've been victimized once, twice my whole life, and so that's how everybody is, there is another way. Um, but that that's self-awareness, that's this whole process we're talking about. It's the heavy lifting. It's the heavy lifting. So why don't you play one of the um <clears throat> Okay. So explain so, where it comes from. So
0: there is a podcast called The Hidden Brain, which I'm a big fan of. And there was a uh, so this one actually aired in February. We're recording this in October of 2018. This one actually came out in February of 18. Uh, the name of the uh, podcast is called "Listen to Why, uh, Why Now." Why Now? Question uh, mark. Nearly a quarter century ago, a group of women accused of prom accused a prominent playwright of sexual misconduct. A Boston newspaper published allegations of. Sexual harassment, unwanted touching, and forced kissing. For the most part, the complaints went nowhere. Now, in 2017, more women came forward with the accusations. This time, everybody listened. So, these are a few clips. So, I encourage you to listen to the podcast because I thought it was really good. Did you like and again,
1: it? I, I did. Again, it's called Hidden Brain. And and one piece that's kind of interesting from it is the um,
0: the playwright. The
1: playwright. You were going to explain this. Is Go it, ahead.
0: No, no. I, it, his name is Israel Horowitz. Mm-hmm um and you know the bottom line is he got accused of all these things back in the 70s I guess or maybe the early 80s and nobody believed any of the women and he kept working and doing exactly the same thing to women which is
1: and the, and it was a little bit like the Harvey Weinstein thing where all the women knew yeah. and women who when new women would come work with him the the women who had been there a while would say to the women don't be alone with him yeah very similar to you know stories of priests that we've heard sure. where other kids have said don't be alone with the priest sure. so it's kind of like people victims uh, or survivors start taking care of each other mm-hmm. because nobody's believing the power
0: yeah so um this clip i want to say is about social proof so it's about a minute long but i think it's something that is um something that will serve all of us so take a listen
2: laura and jocelyn's stories help us understand why the me too movement didn't take off 25 years ago Timur quran would call it preference falsification princeton psychology professor betsy Palak cites a complementary idea known as social proof. When people are deciding whether to step forward and say something, they look at what happened to others who stepped forward before them. It's social proof at its most basic. Uh,
1: We want to know, we wonder how we'll be treated if we step forward to blow the whistle on a certain kind of behavior. And we need sometimes to watch someone else do it and to see what realistically are the consequences
2: when Laura and other actors revealed their stories and found it made no difference, other women received a clear message. Shut up. Stay silent.
1: Women especially used to watch other women report and um, maybe lose their jobs or just not be heard at all or or be disparaged. So that is the kind of social proof that used to inform uh, women's decisions about reporting sexual harassment.
0: So the social proof is... A- nothing happens if i come forward that's what they're talking about right correct okay
1: so i have so social proof um basically part of the reason a big part of the reason that a lot of women don't step forward because you know a lot of times men or women who haven't experienced this kind of you know assault or harassment um they will just say kind of like the the tweet that you know, was sent out last week um, by our president about, well, why didn't you just speak up? And why didn't you go to the FBI? And why didn't your loving parents help? When you watch a whole society disregard women's voices why would you ever do that especially in a high profile especially okay a especially at 15 years old when you when you also feel bad about where you were and how you got there and you know all of that you know i had a beer at 15 all these things i wasn't supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. even though that doesn't make it my fault coming forward i lose a lot sure um and then and i wanted to give two really uh you know newsworthy examples so anita hill i think people don't really understand the story of anita hill and i won't go into deep detail but i just want to give a few um some information about her number one anita hill didn't step forward about Clarence Thomas. What happened was they were doing his thorough FBI investigation that that every Supreme Court nominee gets, and they approached her because she had been a um it had worked with him. So it was a normal background check of work. Now, when the FBI comes and asks you questions, it is like being under oath. Mm. You can't lie, right. you know, And her being a person of integrity, Um, It's very similar to Dr. Ford in that she had lived a very quiet life. She had been a professor, you know, kind of an unassuming woman doing her job, doing good work. And they said, do you think this man should be on the Supreme Court? And she shared her experience with him, that he had harassed her, that he had made comments about porn, Mm -hmm. and that he had made comments about a pubic hair on her Coke, and that he had made comments about... um, Positions and and things that were not appropriate for the workplace. Sure. Um, so she shared that. Not she didn't come to them.
0: Yeah, she was uh, she was one of the many people that were interviewed Correct. because she was close to him or had some uh, relationship with him. Correct, working relationship, a working yeah.
1: relationship. And two other women said similar things. Okay, so she wasn't the only one, but the other women, especially one specific woman, her she could have been so easily ripped apart because of her history, whereas Anita Hill was a compelling witness because of her background in history. So she didn't choose this. She was brought before. Now, without going into all the details of the actual hearing, which you can see, you know, very easily on YouTube these days or or whatever... Basically, it got all turned against her, and it was told in. They were saying that she was in love with him. They said she had some sort of erotic fixation with him. And then there was a man named David Brock who wrote a book about Anita Hill after, after Clarence Thomas was sworn in. They yeah. obviously didn't take her word on this. Yeah. And it was called The Real Anita Hill, and it was basically all this information about how she misunderstood what they were asking her. And again, so similar, Todd, to a lot of the men in your life who keep saying that Dr. Ford is troubled, Mm -hmm. you know, like she's just a troubled woman. She's just an overwhelmed woman. And he wrote this really slanderous book and it was reviewed by the New York Times, the Washington Post, all of these people. And so even though the reviews were poor, just the reviews made it a real book. Mm-hmm. And he the book sold like crazy. Wow. This guy ended up saying, like he became wealthy, you know, and he was like, you know, my house was basically bought by Anita Hill, all sorts of things. Ten years later, he wrote a book called, I think the conservative uh conscience. And he said he made it all up. Mm. In his book, it's just one chapter, but he said about Anita Hill, I made all that up. And I just kind of was reaching, you know, grasping its straws and apologizes to her in the book. It's only one chapter because the book is about other things. Now we never hear about that, right? But a lot of the things that people believe about Anita Hill are from that book that he made up.
0: And people chose to believe it because it fit the story that they want to believe.
1: They want to believe because if she's right, then what do we do with Clarence Thomas? How do we handle that? And there was all sorts of issues around it, you Mm -hmm. know, regarding party and race. and, And it wasn't simple. It was messy. Um, But... I would, I, for those of you who are interested in this story, obviously you can go back and read all this, um, in the Washington post and the New York times and all the places that it was written about, but there's actually a podcast that's actually, the podcast is called you're wrong about dot, dot, dot. And it kind of gives you all this. Every podcast is about something that we believe something, but it's, it was never true. And it's not all about politics. Like the one this week is about the obesity epidemic. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like we're given false information. So this one's called you're wrong about Anita Hill and here's the crazy thing it came out may 25th so it was before any of this but they talk about in the podcast um what would happen if someone came forward against a supreme court nominee now and how it, it's just so interesting because they had no idea what was coming right um so again it gives all this information where they they give you better perspective on the truth where in the moment People do anything they can to help this, to disprove this person, but then history, like I think the statistic was, and I read this somewhere, I didn't get it from this podcast, but right after her, right after Anita Hill spoke to Senate, 24% of the population said they believed her. Six months later, 48% of the population said they believed her. And now it's in the like 80s. So it's so interesting yeah. how
0: history... Time tends to modify people's beliefs correct. of something.
1: The more they learn yeah. and the more we understand. And so and the, the other example in our history is I was thinking about Spotlight. Mm. As far as what they were talking about social proof and how and for those of you who haven't seen the movie Spotlight um, and it's really just not about the movie, it's about the Boston Globe and about how they broke the story about all the Catholic priests who were molesting kids mm-hmm. and how there was a man, there was a lawyer, you know, played by Stanley Tucci in the movie. Oh, yeah who had been working on these cases his whole career and he had been taking any case of any any man woman child who had been molested by a priest and he couldn't get anywhere they were trashing him you know they were they actually showed a few of his court you know him being on trial in the movie and you know they made him seem like a quack even the guys at the boston globe initially were like this guy's crazy right. you know they made they made him appear horrible. And as you guys know, what ended up happening is the spotlight team of the Boston Globe started doing the research and these allegations were true. And then once the paper came out, what happened is they got flooded with phone calls of survivors because once the social proof was out there, once they saw that these people were being heard. Right, then they came out. Then they spoke up. And so we like to pretend and push down and say, this isn't happening. But who's doing this then? Like it, it, this is this is the this is the difficulty. in this, and then we'll move on to the next clip. So many wonderful women who I love are so concerned about their sons, and they keep talking to me about that. Like, what if this was your son? What if you know a woman just accused him out of the blue? My first question is, why would that happen? Like, wh- what?
0: And they're going to say, well, it does happen. It
1: when? Like, what? What?
0: Stats say. 2 to 10% it's false accusations or something like so
1: that. So then that means that the very worst 90% of people who speak out are telling the
0: truth. Correct.
1: And most likely it's more like 95% or 98%. But
0: and, and by the way, these are the 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 cases where people actually want to speak up. Correct. You know, most most assaults and harassments are never reported to anybody for anything. It's hidden in the souls of these survivors.
1: Correct. And it's so interesting. I read something about the statistic. um, Give me a second. The statistic um, regarding even the 2% and the 10%, it doesn't mean they were always making it up. Mm -hmm. It means that the, um, let's see, um, I found it it means that there was nothing it, this was taken from a police department and their statist- and how they deem something being um a real report is do they have enough evidence mm-hmm. do they have you know is there any witness is right. there any corroboration and if there isn't then they call it a false report right. not not a you're lying to me necessarily yeah. but it's a false report because they can't so even the 2 to 10% has some right. some wiggle room right. in there, you know? Right. I guess the question is, why do we... And, and again, I don't know if you want to speak about this, Todd, but even there was a time a while ago that you were even concerned, like, won't women just start saying these things?
0: Yeah, I, I'm sure I, you know, I, I grew up in this patriarchal society and I was taught a message that there's times when women, you know, like we talked about officer and gentlemen, Oh, yes. Yes. Where it's all about how the one female character traps the man, um, the guy who ends up committing suicide. Right,
1: his best friend, Richard Gere's best friend. And that that's what women do that's what they to do. get their pilots. Right,
0: exactly.
1: And that that's kind of just a known thing. And I
0: was taught that same sideways message, which is which is not the truth, but that's what we're taught. So, so <clears throat> these friends of ours who have sons who have this worry, I think where, where you were going is, um, and, you know, we talked about Mike Domish with this is first of all, that rarely ever happens. And uh, w- we need to teach our sons about what consent is.
1: That's exactly where I wanted to go is it's not about focusing all of our energy on what if my son, what if someone accuses him, why don't we take that energy and talk to our our spouses, our our fathers, our, um, sons about what consent is and why so many women are being harmed sometimes with men, not even knowing they're harming them because that, and and how can we have that conversation rather than, I don't want to talk about this because my son could get in trouble. Let's be preventative.
0: And let's be thoughtful. Let's actively talk about it.
1: And, and, you know, I said to Todd, I was so upset about this last week, as I know a lot of women were, and I was really upset. And I was, I was talking to Todd about how the men in my life are so amazing. Like I, you know, I have this nephew that's so amazing and his guy friends and, and my guy friends and Todd and my father who, you know, was so amazing. And I, I, you know, like I've been surrounded my whole life by amazing men And at the same time, these men, as amazing as they are, part of my role in their life is to help them see other perspectives, not because I'm smarter, because they help me see other perspectives too, but what it like, you know... My nephew, um, his parents, my sister and her husband have done a fantastic job talking to him about everything. So it's not like we needed to do that, but we wanted him to see the hunting ground. We brought him to that screening. Do you understand what consent is? Todd got him the book, you know, Can I Kiss You? We want to support him in becoming the best version of himself, not pretend that women are hysterical and that he can go do whatever he wants and that women don't have a voice. But- you play a role in this too, well, and-,
0: and and I think what you're saying is be an active participant instead of saying I don't want to talk about it. I'm scared my son might someday be accused. Right. Instead, empower your son yes. with information of what consent is, and and make sure that he is a, an awareness of the epidemic of sexual assault on college campuses and every other place. Yes. Um,
1: and that and what that looks like because it we've normalized behavior. I mean, after the the Trump tape and that he said what he said, and then we're like, that's just locker room talk. That's what boys do. This is a boys will be boys. We've normalized this. Mm-hmm. So boys growing up are like it's no big deal. Do you remember the the that um, I can't remember what documentary we were watching where the boys, the fraternity was yelling, um, no means yes. Yeah. and yes means the mask you live in. Yeah, and yes means um you know,
0: A different kind of sex. Different type of sex.
1: And that that is that was like
0: two years ago. Mm -hmm.
1: This isn't like old timey, you know, animal house.
0: It's still running rampant in colleges right now. Exactly. And it's not just colleges, it's our society.
1: So if we don't talk about it, what we're saying is I want to protect my men and boys so women can keep getting hurt. That's not what we want, but this belief system of like, I'm not going to talk about it. Or what if, if I believe this woman, then my son's at risk. But if you don't believe this woman, then women are at risk. And can it be both? Mm -hmm. Can it be that we talk to our sons and we talk to our girls and we talk to the women and we believe the women and we believe the men about what they know and don't know?
0: Well, and what I want to do uh, by empowering these young men, uh, whether it be through talking to them in whatever, whatever place I can reach them or watching a documentary like The Hunting Ground or The Mask You Live In, is not, obviously I don't want them to be a participant in this culture of you know the objectification of women. Mm-hmm. I want them to be leaders. So w- when they do see a buddy doing something or cracking a joke or catcalling a woman, to To lead by example, exactly. saying, dude, that's not funny. Right. Like, it's that easy.
1: Or, or dude, let's not do that. Yeah. Like, because a lot of times when we see that, we're like, I'm not going to come down on my buddy. You don't have to come down on him. Mm-hmm. Like, even in my own friendships, it's like, if somebody's really railing on someone, you can be funny. Like, mm-hmm. all right, let's yeah. take this a new way. Like, we can be ourselves and not feel like we have to be the police. We're right. not... Bobby Brady wearing right. our patrol belt. That's right. I mean, we can actually. I think it was an
0: armband, sweetie. Oh, an
1: armband. That's right. It was an armband. He he got a little power hungry yes, with that did. armband. We can just be ourselves and and hold ourselves to a higher level of integrity. And again, a lot of times, what I hear when I say that to people is, "But nobody else does that." Well, then you lead. Yeah. You start. It's just like what I hear in marriages. Well, he won't do that. I don't want to do that, he won't do that, you do it. Yeah. You lead, you be the role model. It's so the
0: only thing you have any power over anyways.
1: And that's what helps us you sleep sh- at night. How do we show up? Exactly, exactly. So go on to the next clip if so you want. So the
0: next one, uh, so this is the second one, here we go.
2: Not long ago, I was talking to my wife over dinner about the story. I was trying to understand, why now? Why are women being heard in a way they were not heard before? My wife, Ashwini Thambe, researches gender issues and recently wrote about this topic.
3: I'm an associate professor of women's studies at the University of Maryland College Park.
2: What she told me about was a theory of horizontal violence.
3: Horizontal violence is when people turn on other people in their own lives, when they are not able to actually effect change against more powerful targets.
2: It's a term used by the 20th century psychiatrist and philosopher Franz Fanon. He wrote about how
3: people living under brutal colonial rule dealt with oppression. Because it's so difficult to attack or target colonial rulers, what uh, Fanon found was that people were lashing against people in their own lives. Think
2: about pressure building up in a container. The energy needs a way to escape. If it can't blow the top off, it might explode sideways.
3: I think that the election of Donald Trump has served as a trigger, and it has provoked a great deal of fury and impatience because he represents for many people the ultimate unpunished predator.
2: Fanon used the term horizontal violence to describe rage that was misdirected or misplaced. Ashwini says horizontal action is a better term to describe how many women have channeled their rage over Trump's election to call out the men in their own lives who've sexually harassed them.
3: It feels very, very important in this moment to topple those perpetrators who are within reach, because at this moment, Trump uh, remains unreachable, even though Trump shapes the context in which enormous anger against misogyny and sexual harassment um, um, has risen.
0: So uh, one kind of caveat to that clip <clears throat> is when they're talking about uh, horizontal violence is um, they talk about the word misplaced, mm-hmm. but horizontal actions, it's not misplaced. Correct. So that is the subtle thing that I, I think I want to make sure that we understand there's nothing misplaced about these women who have had these stories for as long as they have coming forward. It is exactly placed.
1: So what Todd's saying is that when you listen to that clip and they say things start to explode sideways cause you can't, the top isn't coming off. So yeah. it's like, it's a pressure cooker. The action then gets taken sideways rather than up because once if you, okay, so if you feel like somebody who has assaulted women has just become the president, you can't touch that. That's like so beyond your reach. So you make a decision. You know, my boss who sexually assaulted me or Harvey Weinstein, I'm speaking up now. Mm -hmm. It's not making it up. It's not saying to get at him, I'm gonna make up a story. It's I'm gonna start telling my truth. It empowered women Mm. to start speaking up about what was happening in their own worlds because they couldn't reach that level of power. They they didn't have access. It promoted their empowerment.
0: What's interesting about this podcast, it's an hour long, but it's really good. And I really encourage you guys to listen to it. Uh, It's a story about this playwright who was assaulting women for years and years and years. And it just kind of puts you in this kind of sad mindset. And then towards the end, like the, the guy ends up calling one of the women that he assaulted. And feels horrible. Feels horrible, not no. I think not thinking that he was doing anything inappropriate. He
1: wrote a play about rape yeah. and how wrong it was. And this is what I mean about we have to, can it be true that Dr. Ford was assaulted and that Brett Kavanaugh doesn't think he assaulted anybody? Mm-hmm. Those two things can be true. Yeah. This is what we're not understanding. And and what, you know, I was going to talk about the 60 Minutes last night um, with Jeff Flake and mm. Chris Coons. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But even, you know, Kennedy, one of the senators and Lindsey Graham, they came on the 60 Minutes too. And Kennedy's like, she's, I think she's very compelling. I think she's telling the truth, but he said he didn't do it so and so their their thought is she must have misunderstood and that it was it was somebody else. Yeah. She must have gotten the wrong guy. Yeah. Can't he have done it and he was drunk mm. and he doesn't remember because in his time in the 80s, that was a normal experience. Yeah. It, it wasn't okay. It wasn't appropriate. But we, you know, all the movies that Todd and I talk about all the time, you know, there's like in... Sixteen Candles in Revenge of the Nerds. There's basically date rape scenes, right. and we're like, and we "Oh, laughed. they're together now." Yeah. I mean, it's so confusing. Yeah. So there has to be a point where we say, "Okay, this wasn't okay. This isn't okay." Brett Kavanaugh's not going to jail or anything. Right. This is not about. Can, when people are like, "There's no due process." There's no. This isn't about due process. I feel like this has been said at nauseum, but it's a job interview. Mm-hmm. It's a job interview he, this isn't him going to prison. This isn't a court of law. Um, and so is there a point in our, in our history where we actually start saying this wasn't okay? When will we turn that corner and say it wasn't okay?
0: Well, and if you listen to this podcast, it, it kind of just puts you in this kind of, I don't know, it's just a strange place. I found myself feeling a little nauseous, uh-huh. quite honestly. Yeah and mad and frustrated at this one man who's making these horrific decisions, even though I know that there is many men and I've said on many occasions, the objectification of women. Yes, I grew up in that culture. And yes, I was a participant of that culture. So I'm, I'm not throwing stones. This is something that we all need to look at. But at the end of this podcast, they played the uh, entertainment tonight audio clip with president Trump Mm -hmm. and Billy Bush. And I just, listen to it through a different lens and I thought I was going to throw up.
1: Yeah. Well, and in that in this Hidden Brain podcast about you know, Israel Horowitz who by the way is Adam, Adam, Adam Horowitz's, Horowitz's father dad, from, the Beastie, from Boys. the Beastie Boys. Um but he 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 had this, uh, you know, you can listen to the story yourself, but he had a sense of entitlement about women. He would say, I thought that's what you wanted.
0: Because, because it's a man who believes that women's bodies are his possessions. And, and there's a lot of men out there. Right. I was taught that. Right. You go as far as you can with them.
1: Or he gave them jobs- Therefore, that's that's what he's owed.
0: That's the currency. He
1: asked them to come and work at his playhouse and they're like, oh my gosh, this is such a big break. I get to write plays. I get to be in them. And he would then get them in a room and be like, okay, here's what we're going to do now. He didn't ask them. Mm. He just went after them. And he assumed that's what they wanted.
0: Isn't there a song in Greece, the movie? Tell me more, tell me more. Did you get very far? Yeah. Tell me, did he put up a fight? Or did she did put she up? Did she put up a fight? Right? Yeah. Messed yeah. up. Uh-huh. And we all watched that movie and didn't think twice about it. So when right. we talk about... or Israel Horowitz saying, I don't think I did anything wrong. That's because we didn't think we were doing anything wrong by laughing at these scenes in movies.
1: Exactly. And that's what I mean about the bike pedals going backwards. At some point, instead of saying, let's protect everybody, uh, well, actually not everybody, let's disregard the woman and keep protecting this status quo. Can we stop and say, wait a second, this wasn't okay. This isn't right. I'm now hearing what these women are experiencing because what we're saying is, let's just keep doing what we're doing and let women be traumatized mm-hmm. and live with all this as long as these men stay safe. And we, it, it, people don't like change. It, it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. It's such, it's so disruptive. And I'm right there with you. This isn't, this is the thing As I think some people come across, you know, we always hear the loudest voices on both sides. So we hear, you know, extreme right, we hear extreme left and we hear people saying, oh, he's this horrible person. He's this terrible person. There is a possibility he doesn't even remember this, yep. and and that may be why he can so convincingly, you know, go in front of the Supreme Court or in front of all those men and say, "Honest to God, I didn't do this," because he never thought it was wrong in the first place. Yeah. Um, so one other thing that uh, you know we kind of got we moved away from this, but I wanted to comment on it is again another reason we don't believe women there's this whole history of believing that an outspoken woman has female hysteria. Mm. And there is a whole psychological history of this, like um, that women who speak out that there, that there's something wrong with them. Even going back to someone like Mary Lincoln, Mm -hmm. you know, Mary Todd Lincoln, Mm -hmm. like she was in, she was moved around from, you know, um, asylum to asylum. And interestingly enough, did you know where Jessica works, The center where Synergy is? Mary Todd Lincoln, that used to be a place where she was mm. um, when she w- – I don't know if it was an asylum oh, or wow. it just a place where she lived oh, no when she wasn't doing very well mentally. But there's a lot of historians who are like, was she really mentally ill or was she a grieving woman who lost her son and then lost – because even before uh, Abe Lincoln was, was shot – her, her son died in the war, yeah. and she was a grieving woman and she was outspoken. Mm-hmm. And so, people.
0: Oh, can you, I, you. Who knows what the truth was right? in 1862? Absolutely. Or whatever
1: it is. But that's how far back this history of female hysteria, and let's, I'm not even going to get into burning witches, you yeah. know, like this is this goes back so far. So, you know, female hysteria, it's another deeply rooted gender stereotype. It tells us that women can't be trusted to even know what they're feeling. Like, yeah. the, you can't even trust. So, there is this thing that, and again, Todd, I don't even know if I've told you about this because I've always gone or most of the time gone to doctors who are female. But there is this thing a lot of times where women will go to doctors and they will be disregarded. Mm. Like they'll say, I'm feeling a pain here. And a doctor will be like, it's not that bad. Mm. Or, um, and again, I'm not always even saying it's men because I don't know that to be true. Sure. But there's this disregarding of women's pain and yeah. that a lot, I have not personally had that experience, but I've had a lot of women tell me about it where they have to keep going back and advocating for themselves and going to new doctors until until someone takes them seriously. Yeah. Like there's this belief that women are being hysterical and neurotic. I mean, aren't those words used with women all the time? And so even in a yeah, doctor's if we were, office... If we we're going to
0: throw words up on a screen and say hysterical, neurotic, male or female, right. most people say, oh, you're talking about a woman.
1: Right. Like, or even that, you know, part of the laws that they've passed in certain states, and I don't even know which ones, is like if a woman chooses to have an abortion, that there has to be a waiting period because mm-hmm. she really doesn't know what she wants. Right. That there's an imposed, like there's this belief system that women are like going to fly off the handle and not know what they want and that we're going to impose this waiting period.
0: Can I give you one quick counterbalance? This is going to be part of my quick take. Oh, sure. Go ahead. Um, California became the first to require publicly traded companies to include women on their boards of directors. Fantastic. I just got this. This is in USA Today or something. Uh, some Euro- European countries, including Norway and France, have already had these kinds of rules, but a quarter of publicly held corporations with headquarters in California apparently don't have any women on their boards. By the end of 2019, these companies will need to have at least one female director on the board, uh, or else they'll face penalties. So I thought that that was an interesting, and I could already hear some of the guys saying, you know... That's like an affirmative action kind of thing. Yeah, where they they don't right. really deserve it. Right. These are publicly held corporations, and I think it's a step in the right direction.
1: Well, for nothing other than, first of all, there are so many women who can do, who are good at and can do a job that maybe looks male-dominated, but it's only male-dominated because of the networking that occurs in that workplace. There, There are plenty of women who can do every kind of job. And don't we want, and again, I think some people will say, no, we don't, but a representation? I mean, because I hope on those boards, too, there's a, you know thought about race mm-hmm. and there's thought about different you know backgrounds religions whatever it may be that they're not you know that gender is one piece but when you look at our government it doesn't represent our country right. it doesn't make sense it's all this really small majority of white men who are educated at a certain level and there's not. It's not representative.
0: It's a club. I belong to this club in the industry that I work in. It's just a. It's an old boys club.
1: Right. And so when you think about who's climbing the ladder, it's more people who are similar. Yeah. It's just an easier ladder to climb. Right. It doesn't. There's mean- all
0: these barriers in the Correct. way for men of color and women and women of color to get through it. Is it possible that they could somehow navigate their way through and and jump over the numerous hurdles that I would never have to leap to get there?
1: Obviously, there are because yeah. there are some people who have demonstrated yeah. that. But we're as we can we leave all those obstacles there yeah. and say, if you're lucky enough to get through, maybe we'll consider you instead of having the same. Because that's the thing is that's the other thing about you know, there was a lot of Brett Kavanaugh was made fun of for you know, he, I'm, I went to Yale mm-hmm. and I worked my butt off. It's true. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's not true that he did go to Yale and he did work his butt off. We don't need to argue with those pieces. But there are plenty of women who are doing the same thing and people of color who are doing the same. It's not, it's not either you're a hard worker or not. Right. It's it's we're all doing our best. So can I comment on, on one more sure. issue that keeps getting brought up? Please. And it's a little more of a touchy so, <laughs> this whole thing has been touchy, but Duke lacrosse. Yeah. Okay. So Duke lacrosse always gets brought up yep. as the reason that an example of how women lie. Right. Okay. Because if you guys don't remember, uh, there was a woman who um, came forward who said at a party uh, she was at a, she was stripping at a Duke lacrosse party and she said that three guys um, sexually assaulted her um, or maybe even raped her. I can't even remember what the exact mm. whatever it was. She said that this happened, and they were accused, and it turned out to be a false accusation. Well... Interesting. If you were to watch the Thirty for Thirty, which is an ESPN mm. documentary um, series, um, the actual uh, documentary because ESPN plays it, it's not like they did it. I don't think.
0: I think they produced it. They
1: produced it. Okay, it's called Fantastic Lies. Mm. Okay, Todd and I watched it how many years ago? A Four or five years, years, ago? Few years ago. So it's been out for a while. This isn't a new thing, um, but it's it it was. There's so many things that happened. During that time, Um, first of all, in where Duke is, the town where the, it's in Durham, North Carolina, and and in that town, there's a strain between the people who live there and Duke. Yeah. Because it's two different... Um, yeah, a bunch
0: of... Uh- for the most part, wealthy kids going to a four-year institution to go get a degree, and then then there's the rest of the town.
1: Yeah, it's an elite university within a town that maybe doesn't have as much, um, it's a a socioeconomic issue, right? So there's always been kind of an anger back Mm -hmm. and forth between the two. Um, You know, Duke actually calls themselves the Harvard of the South. Um, So... There had always so when this happened, when this woman came forward and said this happened, and by the way, um she her name's Crystal uh, Mangum. Mangum, she still says that she was assaulted. Mm. She's never retracted that, but or if she did, she's right now saying something did happen to me. But that's not what this is about. This is about that there was a district attorney at the time who wanted to there was an election coming up yep. and he wanted to win his seat again and he thought that if he made this issue this these charges against these Duke Lacrosse players the focus of his um campaign that he would get more people to vote for him so you know they actually in the newspaper they called it a Mol- Molotov cocktail mm-hmm. that landed in this community yep. like everything happened at once and the you know it, As we look back, like these boys were unjustly accused or they, you know, the way that it all played out, it was unfair to them. But it wasn't just, it wasn't this woman's accusation alone that created. Oh,
0: there was uh, many other variables and factors that um, created the the reach that this story exactly. had
1: Exactly. And they also, in this uh, documentary, actually <gasps> blame the media because the media loved it. Mm-hmm. They were like, you know, sex and assault on Duke's campus. And they put them on the front page of the paper every day and they raised the stakes so high where the whole country was around it. So, and again, the guy's name, um, just so you guys know, um, Mike Nifong. And he was eventually, he was the guy running for district attorney. He was eventually jailed and disbarred for or intentionally
0: withholding evidence from this case. Well, when you watch the documentary, that it's not about this woman no, barely at all. Barely at all. Like he's the the antagonist yeah. of this story. I don't know if it's a story. It's a true. It's a true story. But he's the bad guy.
1: And. And you feel a ton of empathy for these lacrosse players, right. you know, like of course. It, now at the same time, they did have a party. They did have a stripper. They did send all these emails that were inappropriate and racial mm-hmm. and horrible, but that doesn't mean they're
0: that- they're guilty of what people thought they were guilty of. Exactly. But what's interesting, as you are pointing out right now, when people think of Duke lacrosse, they think of an African-American woman who made up a story about white men. Right. They don't think about the story that you just said, which is, this is a guy who was trying to get elected to the district attorney. And that is really more of the story than...
1: Who took this and ran with it. And if you don't, and if you're like, Kathy, I don't believe you, watch this documentary and read... Because now, because it's been how many years later, 10 years later, now yeah. there's all sorts. It's kind of like the Anita Hill thing yeah. where perception changes. Sure. And again, it doesn't mean that these boys, and I'm saying, quote, unquote, deserved this. Of course not. Nobody, that's the thing is we look at a story like that and we say, those poor boys, which I agree with. But I also think if we're not going to acknowledge this at all, then what about all the girls that are being affected by our non-acknowledgement? Not just this story, but all these stories. Yeah girls are continuously getting hurt and we're like yeah but let's just keep it as it is yeah. there's discomfort and change mm-hmm. that that's what is that's what's hard is there is we don't nobody does nobody's like, hey, I can't wait to unravel all of this pain it's not fun.
0: Right, but what we've shared on the show many times is this is a short term, long term thing. In the short term, it does hurt. It do, it's not easy to look in the mirror or look at a situation through a diff- different set of eyes because it's just easier just to kind of go on with what you're doing. But those same decisions are why you wake up and you're like, you know, I'm not happy or what's wrong with the world. If you can do that work, then all of a sudden you're you're in this authentic place and you show up in the world a much stronger. Advocate for good, I think,
1: and it shows up in so that's the macro level. In the micro level, like I'm um, in my in my class that I'm teaching tomorrow, we're talking about accepting a situation as it is. For example, how many of you say things like, "My child shouldn't do that because
0: ninety nine point nine percent of us, including me,
1: my child shouldn't get angry about that because that's just how things need to be, and he shouldn't be angry or My child um, should, when I say put away your shoes the first time, they should. Okay, but that's not happening. So it's not true. So instead of they shouldn't get angry, can we figure out why they're angry and possibly be empathetic and understanding to how they're feeling and open our mind to a new Mm -hmm. way of thinking? Now, before we can get there, we have to have the belief system of we can question all of our parenting because the first thing that's in place that blocks us is I'm the parent, I'm in charge, I'm the authoritarian, you need to do what I say. Sure. If you believe that, this will be so hard for you to do. Yeah. And if you also believe that my belief system is right, everyone else is wrong.
0: Well, and your our kids are here to teach us something. Our kids frustrate us. Of course they do. They're different human beings who are going through their own worlds. But if we... um. If we look at these kids that we're raising as we are just here to teach them, I get frustrated at my kids and and it is it is my opportunity to look inward like what's going on inside of me right now. Mm-hmm. What how is this impacting me and how can I l- love some a situation when it's really making my life inconvenient. So it's kind of like, you know, our kids should do something or shouldn't do something that's arguing with reality. Reality is your kid isn't picking up their socks.
1: And the reason that it's inconvenient for you is they're questioning something that you've held to be true. And so they are pushing back on something and saying, wake up to this. Mm -hmm. And again, then people go the other, to the other end of the pendulum and they'll say, well, then they're going to walk all over you and manipulate you. What makes you believe that? Mm -hmm.
0: Is that true? Who
1: told you that children are constantly manipulative? Mm -hmm. Because I've worked with kids my whole life, and what I know is that they really like to please, mm-hmm. and they want to be seen, and they want to be loved by their their
0: adults and their authority figures. But leaders. if they can't be loved doing those things, they're going to get attention in other ways.
1: Exactly. And that's the thing is, how do we play a role in the dynamic of kids not making great choices? It's not always all our fault. Sometimes kids rebel for reasons. So, This is the thing is it's so messy. I have no absolutes Mm -hmm. for you. I wouldn't say if you do this, then your kid will never do this. How do I know? I don't know any of that. But what I do know is questioning the belief about kids are manipulative or kids should do this. doesn't serve you because when you... Stop and say, "Wait a second! What could I listen to?" Again, this is uh, this is about women, you know, speaking up. This is about our children. This is about our partner. You know, that whole female hysteria thing comes into play in um, relationships that are man woman relationships. A lot of times, it's like, "Oh my!" Like you know, that part in Dumb and Dumber when he's like, "You know, she was just complaining about how I don't listen. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't really even paying attention." Right. I mean, it is this belief that if women have a beef about something that they're overreacting rather than they have something that they would like to say and they would like to be heard rather than they're trying to manipulate me. Right. That's the shift is can we look, and again, I always go back to my friend Annie's book, can we look at everybody from a soul to soul perspective, our children, our partner, someone we haven't met yet, can we see them as another human who is doing their best or may have been hurt so they're not doing their best because of their pain? Are you going to play? I
3: called her up. She gave me a bunch of crap about me not listening to her enough or something. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. Is that the
0: part, sweetie? I
1: mean, exactly. And again, why do we laugh at that? It's knowing laughter. We laugh at it because There's it's truth. true. And we, when, when women say they're in pain or that they're scared, we're like, ugh, oh, right. hysterical.
0: So... I'm glad we at least talked a little bit about direct parenting stuff at the end because yeah. uh, we're talking about a lot of other things. So
1: and the other things, as we always say on the show, the big things apply to the little things. The little things apply to the big things. However, you show up anywhere is how you show up everywhere. We are not. We we don't divide up and become completely different people in different situations. I mean sometimes we do personality-wise, yeah. but inherently who we are shows up the same in every situation. So if we are more open-minded to what's going on in the world, it's easier to be more open-minded with our children and vice versa. When our children teach us to be
0: more open-minded, it's easier to see the world differently, mm-hmm. so. Sweetie, we did a Zen talk last Friday. We
1: did, it was a good one. We
0: talked about uh, chores, allowances, family meetings, When ta- when is a good time to get professional help for my son? Uh, when bonding with one kid is easier than the other and you even talked a little bit about the Kavanaugh-Ford thing which just happened the day before Mm -hmm. Uh, the next one is one week from today and we want to encourage all you listeners if you're interested in the Team Zen virtual community to uh, check us out it's um, two live Zen talks with us a month Uh, all our archived Zen talks and I think we're at number 42 coming up Uh, we have a Facebook page you get discounts off of everything in our store so we would love to see you do that um, I do coaching, coaching for guys. So if there's any guys out there that are working on themselves or their relationships with their kids or their wives or their boss or their employees, uh, check out my website at toddadamscoaching.com. Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty. He uh, runs a company called Avid, which is painting and remodeling throughout the Chicago area, 630-956-1800. Sweetie, we got an iTunes review. Oh, good. This podcast has helped me tremendously. I've learned a great deal about how to stay connected to my four children and especially my husband. I find the podcasts from the earlier years the most valuable because they're more focused on parenting and family. Um, that's from Starry Starry Steph Six. So thank you. And then Alyssa fifty four says to keep the movie clips coming, sweetie.
1: Okay. So okay. we need to make
0: sure that we do that. Um, what else? Um, Zen conference. Zen
1: conference. So my uh, my um, what's, it, what's it called? My pre conference workshop is sold out.
0: So, Wah. which is great.
1: I'm so glad we have a full room. What I'm trying to do right now is get a different room. Um, it's see if I can get maybe 15 more seats in there. Uh, and but if that's the case, that no, there. If you go there, it says it's out of stock. Um, but if I do that, then I'll let you know on the show. Um, and that. So get your tickets to the conference and get Who's your coming
0: to the conference. So we
1: have Glennon Doyle, we have Abby Wambach, we have Julie Lithcott Hames, we have. Devora Heitner, and so what are the what are we going to be talking about at this conference? If you know any of these women, you already know. But we're going to be talking about women. We're going to be talking about relationships. We're going to be
0: talking about getting our brave on.
1: Yes, we're going to be talking about getting our brave on and how we relate to each other. And we're going to be talking about men. And we're going to be talking about speaking up. And we're going to be talking about race. And we're going to be talking about technology. And we're going to be talking about being the best version of ourselves so we can bring that home. So we can raise our children that way. So we can create a world. You know, again, it becomes so cliche, but if we really want to make a different world, we have to start
0: with ourselves. March 8th, March 9th. And uh, Zen Friend is an opportunity to uh, help and support other parents who can't afford to go to the conference, to come to the conference. And these are a few of our Zen friends in the last week that have donated to the fund. You ready, sweetie? I'm ready. Diane lanz I know that. Is that how woman. you pronounce her yeah. last name? Yeah. Oh, wow, I did it. Sejani Guria. Andrea Robinson, yay! Carolyn Too Tall Rogers, <laughs> Too Tall. What does I don't that know. mean? I just wanted to give her a nickname. And Kara Pollard, Kara <laughs> Pollard.
1: Hey, a lot of those people are people we love very much. Yeah. And thank you so much for supporting. Um, I would say us, but really, it's supporting the people who want to come to the conference mm-hmm. because we. Um, there was just two women last Thursday that um, said, "I want to come." Um, we are already going to fly in. We're already spending money there. Can you help us out? And
0: we could, we could because sure. of all of you. Thank you. So, uh, tribe men's group. Oh, we have a, I have a retreat coming up. Any guys, it's actually coming up in March, so it's not coming up, but, uh, we are only have a few spots left, if you can believe that. So if there's any guys out there from anywhere in the country that wants to spend, a Thursday through Sunday, working on yourself, having fun, playing, uh, it's going to be off the hook. So uh, shoot me an email at todd at com to learn more. Any other words of wisdom, my darling?
1: Um, no, just so we appreciate everyone and thanks for listening and considering. Um, todd and I don't have all the answers, as you all know, um, but we sure like to at least investigate ourselves and what we know and what we don't know and, um, stay open to the possibility.
0: Yeah. And also keep trucking. Uh, we'll see you guys next Tuesday. Adios.
1: Thanks for listening. Everyone. Remember to subscribe to Zen parenting radio. So you never miss an episode and feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find
0: us. Do you want more Zen parenting? Check out team Zen. It's 25 bucks a month where you'll get two live Zen talks, with an opportunity to ask us live questions. If you can't join us live, don't worry. You can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen Podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page and get discounts on everything that we offer.
1: Get your tickets for our annual Zen Parenting Conference on March 8th and 9th, 2019. Get your Brave On with Glennon Doyle, Abby Wombeck, Julie Lithcott-Hames, and Devorah Heitner, and enjoy a weekend in a warm and friendly environment of like-minded people. Tickets are available at zenparentingradio.com.
0: Sweetie's going to be off the hook. I know. Um, interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events, or you can purchase one of my three books.
1: They're not your three books. Well, your three books. Thank you. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon.
0: Um, Guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? Good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, FaceTime, you choose. If you're in Chicago, contact me about the tribe. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. And don't forget about our 2019 Unplug. Connect and transform retreat. More more on that later.
1: Special thanks to our founding partner Jeremy Kraft from Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support, Jeremy.
0: Sweetie, he's a bald head of beauty. I know this. Alright everybody, keep trucking. See you next week. Adios.